listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's readings, I invite you to head over to Facebook, and there you'll be able to interact with others who are listening and following along and share your own insights and converse with them. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 229, and we are reading from Volume 3, Book 6, Chapter 7, Paragraphs 404 to 409. Chapter 7. The sacramental mystery preceding the triumphal entry of Christ into Jerusalem, how he entered into the city, and how he was received by its inhabitants. 404. Among the works of God, which, because they are performed outside of his own essence, are called ad extra, the greatest was that of assuming flesh, suffering and dying for the salvation of men. This sacrament human wisdom could never have perceived, if its author had not demonstrated it to us by so many proofs and testimonies. In spite of all these proofs, many who are wise only according to the flesh find it difficult to believe that which is so much to their own salvation and benefit. Others, though they believe it, do not believe all the circumstances connected with it. But the true Catholics believe and confess this sacrament such as the Holy Church proposes it to them. By explicitly professing our faith in the mysteries thus revealed, we, at the same time, explicitly profess our faith in the mysteries, which are thereunder included, and which it was not necessary to define more particularly, because they are not especially necessary for salvation. Some of these God reserves for their proper time, while others will be reserved for the last day, when all of them shall be manifest to men in the presence of the just judge. 1 Corinthians 4.5 The intention of the Lord in commanding me to write this history, as I have often said and yet oftener understood, was to manifest many of these hidden mysteries without admixture of mere human opinion and conjecture. Many of them I have therefore recorded just as they have been made known to me while I am aware at the same time that many other wonderful and venerable sacraments will still remain hidden. Toward these mysteries I wish to prepare the pious faith of Catholics. To believe what is accessory should not be hard for those who believe the principal mysteries of the Catholic faith. For upon these principal mysteries of the faith rests all that I have written and all that I shall yet write, especially in regard to the passion of our Redeemer. 405. On the Sabbath, following the anointment of the Magdalene in Bethany, and after the banquet mentioned in the preceding chapter, 
Our Divine Master sought retirement. The Most Blessed Mother, leaving Judas to his hard-heartedness, betook herself to her Divine Son, and as was her wont, joined him in his prayers and sacred exercises. Our Lord was now about to enter upon the greatest conflict in his career as man, having, as David says, Psalm 18.7, reached out from the highest heaven in order to engage in this battle, and by it to vanquish the demon, sin, and death. As this most obedient of sons accepted freely the torments of the cross, he now at their approach offered himself anew to the Eternal Father. Prostrate, with his face touching the ground, he confessed him and adored him with deepest resignation, beseeching him to accept the insults and pains, ignominies and death of the cross, for his own glory and for the rescue of the human race. The Most Blessed Mother had retired to one side of the oratory, accompanying her beloved Son and Lord in his prayers, and shedding with him tears of inmost affection. 406 on this occasion, before the hour of midnight, the Eternal Father and the Holy Ghost appeared in visible form with multitudes of angels as witnesses. The Eternal Father accepted the sacrifice of Christ, his most blessed Son, and formally consented that the rigor of his justice should be satisfied upon his person for the pardon of the world. Then the Eternal Father, addressing the Blessed Mother herself, said, Mary, our daughter and spouse, I desire that thou now again ratify the sacrifice of thy Son, since I, on my part, am willing to deliver him up for the redemption of man. And the humble and sincerest dove replied, Behold, O Lord, I am but dust and ashes, unworthy that the only begotten and the Redeemer of the world should also be my Son. But I hold myself entirely subject to thy ineffable condescension, which has given him being in my womb. And I offer him and myself entirely as a sacrifice to thy divine pleasure. I beseech thee, O Lord and God and Father, to permit me to suffer with thy and my Son. The Eternal Father received the subjection of the Most Holy Mary as a pleasing sacrifice. Raising up from the ground both the Son and the Mother, he said, This is the fruit of the blessed earth which I have desired. Immediately thereupon he exalted the humanity of Christ to the throne of his majesty, and placed him on his right hand equal in authority and preeminence with himself. 407. The Blessed Mother remained in the place where she was, but entirely transformed and exalted in wonderful splendor and jubilee of soul. On seeing her only begotten seat at the right hand of the Eternal Father, she pronounced those first words of the 109th Psalm in which David had mysteriously prophesied this event. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand. Expatiating upon these words, the Heavenly Queen composed a mysterious hymn of praise in honor of the Eternal Father and of the Incarnate Word. When she had finished, the Father added all the rest of the psalm, decreeing them and there by his immutable will, that all the import of these mysterious and profound words should now be executed and fulfilled. It is very difficult for me to mold into the inadequate words which are within my power, the intelligence which was given me of this high mystery. But I will make an attempt to do so. As far as the Lord will empower me, let something of this hidden and wonderful sacrament, and of that which Most Holy Mary and the angelic spirits understood, be felt also by ourselves. 408. The Eternal Father then proceeded and said, Until I make thy enemies thy footstool, since thou hast humiliated thyself in accordance with my eternal will, Thou hast merited that thou be exalted above all the creatures, 
and that in the very nature of man which thou hast received from me, thou reign at my right hand for ever and ever without end. For all eternity I place thy enemies under thy feet and dominion, subject to thy humanity as their God and Redeemer, so that those who will not obey thee or acknowledge thee shall see thy humanity exalted and glorified. Although I do not put this decree into full execution until the redemption of man shall have been accomplished, I desire that even now my courtiers shall witness what both the demons and mankind shall see afterwards. I place thee in possession at my right hand at the very moment in which thou hast humiliated thyself to the ignominious death of the cross. If I now deliver thee over to thy enemies and to the workings of their malice, it is done for my glory and good pleasure, and in order that afterwards they may be placed beneath thy feet in their entire confusion. The Lord will send forth the scepter of thy power out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thy enemies. For I, the omnipotent God, who am he that is, truly and indeed, control and send forth the invincible scepter of my power, so that afterwards, when thou shalt have triumphed over death by completing the redemption of the human race, they may recognize thee as their Savior, their Guide, their Leader, and as the Lord of all. But I desire even now, before thou sufferest death, and at the very moment which men are plotting by ruin and their contempt of thee, that thou triumph in a wonderful manner. I ordain that thou triumph both over their malice and over their death, and that by the very power of thy virtue they be compelled to honor thee, confess thee, adore and worship thee of their own free will, that the demons be vanquished and confounded by the strength of thy own virtue. Then the prophets and the just who are waiting for thee in limbo, together with my heavenly spirits, recognize thy wonderful exaltation according to my good will and pleasure. With thee is the principality in the day of thy strength, in the brightness of the saints, from the womb before the day star I begot thee. On the day of this thy strength and power, by which thou triumphest over thy enemies, I am in thee and with thee as the beginning. From this source, by the eternal fecundity of the intellect, thou didst issue forth before the light of grace, by which we decree to manifest ourselves to creatures. And from this beginning didst thou come forth clothed in the light of glory, by which the saints are rejoiced and beatified. And also, in as far as thou art man, thy beginning is with thee, and thou was engendered in the day of thy virtue. For from the instant in which thou hast received human existence by temporal generation from thy mother, thou didst possess the merit of thy works, which is with thee now, and thou didst deserve the glory and honor by which thy virtue is to crown thee on this day, and in the days of my eternity. The Lord had sworn an oath, and he will not repent. Thou art a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. I, who am the Lord God Almighty, able to fulfill all my promises, absolutely decree, as by an immutable oath, that thou be the high priest of the new church, and of the evangelical law, according to the order of Melchizedek of old. For thou shalt be the true priest, who shall offer the bread and wine prefigured by the oblation of Melchizedek. Genesis 14.18 And I shall not regret this decree, for this oblation shall be pure and acceptable, and a sacrifice of praise in my honor. The Lord at thy right hand hath broken kings in the day of his wrath. This shalt thou do by the works of thy humanity, assisted by the right hand of thy divinity in the fullness of its strength. By thy humanity I, who am one God with thee, shall crush the tyranny of the princes of darkness, and of this world, as well the apostate angels, as also wicked men, who will not acknowledge, serve, and adore thee as their Lord and God. 
This chastisement I will inflict at a time when neither Lucifer nor his followers shall yet know thee, and it shall be for them the day of my wrath. Afterwards the day will also come for those men who have not received thee nor followed thy holy law. All of them shall I crush and humiliate in my just indignation. He shall judge among nations, he shall fill with ruins, he shall crush the heads in the land of many, having then justified my cause with all the children of Adam, who have not profited of thy mercy in graciously redeeming them from sin and from eternal death. I, the Lord, shall judge according to my equity and justice all the nations, and choosing the just from the midst of the sinners and the reprobate, I shall fill up the ruined places of the apostate angels who have not preserved for themselves their habitation to the reign of grace. At the same time, I shall crush upon earth the multitudes of those men who, by their own obstinate and depraved will, persist in their pride. He shall drink of the torrent and the way. Therefore he shall lift up his head. Thy head shall be raised up by the Lord God of vengeance himself, in order that thou mayest judge the earth and justly deal with the proud. As if thou hadst drunk of the torrent of his wraths, thou shalt dip thy arrows in the blood of thy enemies, and with the sword of his chastisement thou shalt confound them in their expectation of happiness. Thus shall thy head be lifted up and exalted above all thy enemies, who are disobedient to the law and faithless to the doctrines and teachings. For this shall be thy just reward, for thy having drunk of the torrent of reproaches and affronts, even to the death of the cross, for their redemption. 409. Such and much deeper understanding was given to Most Holy Mary concerning this mysterious psalm, which the Eternal Father repeated on this occasion. Although some of the verses are quoted as of another person, yet they all refer to himself and to the Incarnate Word. The mysteries contained therein may be reduced to two principal heads, threats against sinners, infidels, and wicked Christians, because they do not acknowledge the Redeemer of the world or observe his laws and promises of the Eternal Father to his incarnate Son, that he will glorify his name and exalt it in spite of and above all his enemies, as if in pledge or advance payment of the universal exaltation of Christ after his ascension, and especially at the final judgment, the Father decreed that the inhabitants of Jerusalem should meet him with great applause and honor at his entrance into Jerusalem on the day following this mysterious vision. Thereupon the Father and the Holy Ghost with the holy angels that wonderingly had assisted at this great sacrament disappeared while Christ and his Blessed Mother remained to spend the rest of that blessed night in divine colloquies. This concludes our reading today for day number 229. We've been reading from Volume 3, Book 6, Chapter 7, Paragraphs 404 to 409. Today's reading was an exposition on a psalm and seeing how that psalm can be applied to Christ. We've known of prophecies in the Old Testament that apply to Jesus, but now we have psalms that David wrote that can also be interpreted by looking at who Jesus is. And then on the cross, we will even hear Jesus recite one of those psalms. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The psalms are a book of the Bible. The psalms are a prayer. The psalms can be read by us and prayed by us. Priests and religious through the liturgy of the hours pray the psalms on a daily basis. 
that sometimes in our life we might not have the words to pray, but a psalm might be able to capture those words for us. They can give a voice to our interior heart when we don't know what to say at all. That's the value of scripted prayer. I'd encourage you maybe to check out the Psalms. I think we know some of the Psalms quite readily. We know one, for example, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. That one almost everybody has memorized. There are so many beautiful Psalms that if you open up your Bible and just pick one out, it will capture your heart. At the very end of our reading today, before Jesus begins his entry into Jerusalem, our reading ended with this sentence. Thereupon the Father and the Holy Ghost with the holy angels that wonderingly had assisted at this great sacrament disappeared while Christ and his blessed mother remained to spend the rest of the blessed night in divine colloquies. That these two individuals, the Son of God and his mother, spent the night in prayer, spent the night praying together, spent the night talking to Almighty God, who is the one who chose the Blessed Virgin for this very special role in salvation history, Almighty God who sent his Son to be born of the Virgin Mary, that they spend the entire night together united in prayer. And maybe from time to time, the two had holy conversations themselves, having divine colloquies as the mother of God talks to her son, who is God. And so that's a divine colloquy, a holy conversation. Maybe we can pause and close our eyes and begin to think about how it was that these two prayed, what they said to each other, and how they prayed to God. And we'll be able to see it in our mind's eyes and maybe even in our imagination, hear the prayer. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the Mystical City of God. I'm grateful that you tuned in today, and I hope that you'll join us again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.